Shalom, and welcome to Viahavta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Have you ever thought, what should I do today? The answer is, worship God, praise Him, give Him adoration. Why? Because of who He is. If God does nothing, He is still worthy of praise, thanksgiving, and adoration. Well, we're going to begin in this study, Psalm 89. And if we were to simply summarize at least the first half of Psalm 89, it is a psalm of praise, adoration, and thanksgiving to God. And we need to be people that make it our primary objective to do just that. In other words, it is a psalm of worship. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 89. Now, it begins with that familiar inscription where we are told what type of psalm it is. And we have come across this uh, designation before where it says, Mashkil. It comes from a word which means to make one wise, to give one understanding, and to make one successful or prosperous. But here again, this prosperity is in the things of God. This prosperity is according to His will and His purposes. So notice what he says, a maskil to or by etan, and that name etan is a word of strength or power. So we're learning who the author is. It is a man by the name of Eitan the Ezrahi. Now, Ezrahi can mean a citizen. This is a man by his name. We would understand that he is from the children of Israel. That name, Eitan, power, strength, might. And he is writing to us. And some would suggest that he is revealing to us how to be strong, how we find power. And what's the answer to that? Through worship. You cannot overemphasize the benefits of worship. Now, that being the case, why don't we spend more time worshiping God? It is never unfruitful to worship God. What does that mean? There is always fruit. There is always a positive outcome. There is a good result when we worship God. And we don't have to wait for a certain time to do so, a certain time of day or a certain day of the week that people gather to worship. We are free. In fact, we are commanded daily to worship God. And we can do that wherever we are. We can simply stop and if we look at Judaism, and this is something that's based upon the scripture, the fact that Daniel prayed three times a day, and we know that's in the morning, 
in the midst of the day and at the conclusion of the day. And according to Jewish tradition, and it's a good tradition, the the prayer time that is most precious to God is in the middle of the day when we interrupt things. See, it's easy to begin your day with worship because it's the first thing you do. It's easy to conclude your day with worship because it's the last thing that you do. But it's in the middle of the day when things can take precedent, we think, over making that time, setting that time apart for God. We allow ourselves to be interrupted. We allow ourselves not to think as we should in regard to our responsibilities to God. So this this psalm is a psalm of encouragement to worship God. And then we move on to the next verse where it says, Chasdei Hashem. Now, I mentioned that in Hebrew because of that word chesed. Chasdei would be the abundant loving kindness or the abundant grace of the Lord. And this word chesed in the singular, here it's in the plural, but in the singular speaks of the grace of God that brings about the will of God. That's why when we receive God's grace through Messiah, we are going to become a new creation in Him, in Messiah. And our objective is going to be the will of God. So we look here and it says, the grace, the abundant grace of the Lord, and he says, forever I will sing. Here again, singing a a type of worship, a, a coming before God with exaltation. So he says, forever I will sing to generation and generation I will make known, and notice this next word, your faithfulness with my mouth. Now, there is a relationship here between faithfulness and grace. And what is this relationship? Well, Hebrew poetry, that that chief characteristic of Hebrew poetry, parallelism, teaches us that grace produces faithfulness. Now, we need to understand faith in two ways. First of all, there's the faith that saves when we say yes to God, when we agree to that gospel. So faith saves us. But faith, and this is again, faith, it's in the plural. If we look at it very carefully here, it says, actually it's in the the singular in this verse. But when it says faith, it's speaking about faith that does what? That works itself out that demonstrates itself so we need to see that there are two types of faith the faith that saves simply agreeing with god and that faith that is going to move in our life that produces us to serve god worship god minister in his name and then as we move on look at the next verse for i have said forever grace it will build now this is a wonderful promise from god and in the midst of worship we see that there is revelation i want to say that again we need to understand this important biblical principle and that is this when we worship god we are going to be the recipients of 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 revelation 
so worshiping brings us into god's presence and god will reveal things teach things uh uh give us revelation so it says in this passage of scripture forever grace it will build up so when i am walking in grace i'm going to be edified that's literally what it's speaking about and then it says heavens heavens your faithfulness establish will establish in them what's in them heavens is a plural word in the greek language and this is hebrew and also in hebrew so what we see in this passage is simply that the heavens they are going to be established by your faithfulness and that faithfulness of god is going to to be established in them meaning this it is god and hear this very carefully it is god that is going to also act in faithfulness what does that mean act in accordance with his truth now i hope you know by now there's a a close relationship same root for faith and truth and what we find is this god he is going to demonstrate what he has said his truth his truth is the only truth you only have truth when you agree with god when you accept his word and they have that is this truth has a a building up a a establishing so grace will build up but your truth or your faithfulness will will establish and even establish the heavens and here heavens can always relate to a a kingdom message let's move on to verse four now i mentioned the kingdom message because of that word we speak about the kingdom of heaven but there's another reason there's a transition here in verse four notice what it says i have cut a covenant for my chosen one now this can be the word elect but what's interesting is that we're going to see whom he is speaking about in this verse that he has made a covenant mentioned cut because in hebrew you can't say i've made a covenant you can only say i've cut a covenant but the implication is that he has made i have made a covenant for my chosen one and notice who this chosen one is parallel to in the second part of the verse i have sworn to who david and notice this next word avdi my servant now we know that this term avdi my servant is another messianic term messiah is called my servant so when we look at this passage i mention a transition because we begin now speaking about in this verse we speak about messiah look again what he says i have cut a covenant of and it could be of my chosen one and that means that messiah is going to be used for a covenantal purpose and we know what covenant the new covenant which is a covenant of forgiveness and a covenant that produces the the will of god why do i say will of god because god says in that new covenant 
that he is going to write his law upon our hearts and his law takes us into his will it is through submitting to the instructions of god that that submissiveness to his instructions is going to position you in his will look at the next verse where he says unto forever i will establish your seed now here it speaks about the establishment of your seed and again if we keep reading notice what it says and i will build for generation and generation your throne selah this is a term selah of affirmation and emphasis and what is being affirmed there is coming a kingdom that throne is so important for example if you look in the book of revelation you will find that that the word throne appears so frequently and the whole purpose of the book of revelation is to teach us the various events remember john has visions and he sees things that must happen in order that in the end the throne of god which is where in heaven that that same throne descends to jerusalem and here we're speaking about that same throne notice how he speaks unto forever well this term olam as i've said many times is a adjective one of the main adjectives that describes the kingdom so we could say this in this way we could say unto the kingdom i will establish your seed who's the seed well because of what comes it's also a reference to the seed of abraham and as paul teaches in galatians 3 16 that seed is messiah so for the kingdom purpose is what he's saying i will establish your seed and i will build for generation and generation your throne selah verse 6. the heavens what are they going to do because of this this uh, uh establishment of the throne of messiah the heavens are going to give thanks why because of your wonder O lord now this word wonder pele also appears in a very famous passage in isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 in some bibles verse 5 in others where it speaks about wonderful counselor now this word wonder speaks about miracles signs and wonders but it is connected as well to one specific wonder and that is the manifestation the revealing of messiah so the heavens give thanks based upon what he's doing establishing the throne of messiah in this world he does it miraculously that's why he says your wonder O lord even keep reading another time we have your faithfulness among the congregation of the saints so it's god's faithfulness what's faithfulness god's fidelity to his truth and again his truth is truth in every circumstance god himself defines what is true everything that god does is truth 
and God has promised, and he is faithful, and he is going to bring about this kingdom. Now, what we're being led to understand is this. This this psalm has many references to Messiah, many references to his kingdom, the kingdom of Messiah. And what should be our response? Thanksgiving, gratitude, joy, celebration, adoration for God. And we see that the heavens are doing just that. And keep reading. Notice that the congregation of the saints they as well are going to be lauding praise to god because of your faithfulness O god now look at the next verse where it says for who is in and we're dealing with a word that is related to the heights of heavens so who is is like you is the implication who can be uh, likened to you who can be esteemed to you in the heights of heaven then he says who will be like the lord among the sons of and this is the term elim which is the mighty ones now it's the same word for god that term l like bet l the house of god but but here it's simply meaning this this council in the heaven these mighty ones that that are around god and even as majestic and wonderful and holy and pure as they are even among them no one is like god no one can be likened to him so this psalm is speaking about the uniqueness of god there is no one no other god but him move on to the next verse where it says the god and this is a god that speaks about the fear so the fear of god or god is feared and where is god feared he is feared in the council of the the mighty saints now here again in the scripture i do not know another place where saints is not used in regard to the redeemed of the lord those who are kingdom people so he says here god is feared he's esteemed he is feared in the council of the mighty saints now some would say this word rabbah mighty can also be a word of abundance in with many saints and then we have a term nora which means an awesome over all who is around him so here we have god in the heights of heaven we have these holy ones both angelic beings and also this this uh holy council that's made mention of and god is unique god is greater now we need to remember something and that is this we see for example in the book of revelation those that come up to john and john sees them and they are angels and what does john do bow down before them it's just his natural response and here's the message if we just out of a natural response response coming into the presence of some angel we fall down in adoration 
how much more so will we do so in the presence of god so here it's speaking about look again how god is awesome he is is highly exalted above all that is around him next verse where he says O lord god of hosts and this is the heavenly hosts which is a term for armies sevot armies the lord the god of the armies who is like you chasin chasin is strength power might so god in his glory no one's like him but also in his power god's power is second to none so who is like you powerful or strong O lord and this is the term lord yah and your faithfulness or your faith simply uh, is around you so god he has power and what the scripture is saying is that he behaves let me say it another way he utilizes that awesome second to none power in regard to his truth what does that mean god uses his power to fulfill what he has said his promises his will now one thing that we can be assured of what god says is going to eventually be brought about and any delay in that is for people's benefits meaning this god sometimes moves very slowly what what he could do in an instant he slows down and it can take a thousand years remember that verse a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the lord he can speed up time or he can slow things down according to his goodness what does that mean god many times will slow things down why not wanting anyone to perish so this time this this slowing things down is to give a greater opportunity for people to do what well as it says in second peter for them to repent so this delay god's not slow as many consider slowness but god is long-suffering he is patient not wanting any to perish but to come to repentance so this speaks about the faithfulness of god look again verse verse uh, nine in my bible probably verse eight in yours where it says the lord the god of hosts who is like you strong is yeah and your faithfulness is all around you verse 10 verse 9 in yours you and notice what it says the word moshel moshel is a a governor a ruler and god governs all things now he either causes it or he allows it because of his nature and how he created this world to function he wanted people to love him and therefore love is is only possible when someone chooses why is that so important because if if something is forced to love it's not love you have to choose and that requires and hear this free will 
so god created this world in a unique way and we see an aspect of it right now where it says you rule and it's in the present you are ruling moshel with majesty the sea and in lifting up its waves the waves of the sea you you will silent so god can lift up the waves he can make them still what it's saying is all things are possible possible with god he is in control and he can bring and this is the message of that verse he can bring change like that he can cause the storm to stir up the sea or he can still the storm and break quietness to that sea it's all what he wants to do next verse you have broken up and this is a word to to dash into pieces for you have crushed is another way that we may say it you have crushed as and then we have a word for a dead one rahav rahav is uh shem kinui avor mitzrayim what does that mean i'm quoting something that i read in hebrew shem kinui is a nickname or simply an alternative name so we have the term mitzrayim egypt but one of the way and we saw this not too long ago that egypt can be called is rahav so you have have crushed as something one that is dead egypt and with your arm of your power and many will say that this is a reference to messiah you have scattered your enemies so messiah ultimately is going to be the one that destroys put far away out of god's presence his enemies you say well isn't god omnipresent yes but god has created a place where his presence will not be there and where is that in that outside that outer place of darkness of weeping of the gnashing of teeth the presence of god not going to be among these people they are going to experience the wrath of god but not have any intimacy with god and when we look at this verse of scripture it simply says with your arm and this is a reference to messiah with your strong arm you have scattered your enemies next verse to you the heavens even to you the earth the world and its fullness for you have established them so now we see that god is speaking about not his um, um, not his omnipresence but his omnipotent that he is omnipotent all power and that god is the creator of all things so as we go through this psalm and one of the great exercises to do with psalm 89 is just write down the numerous and i do mean just that the numerous things that that there is is reason to worship god contained in this psalm so again to you are the heavens even to you is the earth the world and its fullness for you have established them 
the north, next verse, the north and the east, you have created them. Then we have some very significant places in the land of Canaan. We see Tavor, Mount Tavor, and also up in the Golan Heights in the north of Israel, Mount Hermon. So Tavor and Hermon, in your name, they will shout. And this is a shout to exalt, to lift up. And this word is a strong word of expressing emotion. And what it simply says is that these mountains are going to demonstrate their their desire to exalt God. And we know when that time of the outcome of redemption, remember redemption has two words in Hebrew, the payment for redemption and the outcome. Well, the payment has been made, but the world, as Paul says, is still groaning for the outcome of redemption. And this is what we're talking about when these two mountains will will shout for joy because of, of what God is going to do. Next verse where it says, To you, the arm with power, you shall be strong. What shall be strong? Your your hand shall be strong. Your right hand shall be exalted. And all of this is speaking about God when we talk about arm or hand. What's this referring to? Actions, deeds. And all of this, this verse is trying to share with us and teach us is that God is going to be exalted by what he does. And so we see, up to this point, two reasons to worship God. Now, as we began our study, I said to you that God is worthy to be worshipped. Why? Because of who he is. He doesn't need to do anything, but God has done a great deal. And it's also because of what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, that we should also worship him. So when it comes to our God who is worthy, there is a multiplicity of reasons why we should worship him, adore him, give him thanks, and approach him with great gratitude. Look at at the next verse where it says righteousness and justice. And this is a word for foundation, for that which has been established, so righteousness and justice basically is the foundation of your throne grace and truth they go before your presence now let's just pause for a moment and understand just this this verse and how majestic it is it speaks about righteousness and justice we see that righteousness and justice is parallel with grace and truth and the message is this without grace there is no righteousness for humanity now god needs nothing he is forever righteous but we're talking about creation that means me and you so without god's grace we won't be righteous and without truth there cannot be justice so these things are foundational for the establishment of his throne 
and his that throne means his rule in the kingdom where notice how it ends they meaning your grace and truth they will go forth uh um your presence will go forth because of them next verse where it says ashreah this is blessed or happy is the people who knows teruah now again there's some words it's very hard to translate and capture the meaning with just one word the word teruah well most people who know some hebrew know that on rosh hashanah and the day of sounding of that shofar one of the notes is teruah and what we find here it's the sounding of the shofar so teruah reminds us of the sounding of the shofar and my question is this this ram's horn when it sounded what should come into your mind there's one answer what god has provided for his people people's victory now remember that because notice what he says happy or blessed are the people that know teruah know what that sounding of the shofar represents god's provision for victory god's provision that we might take hold of his promises that provision that that causes us to receive the promise of god and then it says O lord in the light of your presence that is your face they will walk those who represent the blessed people those who know your provision they are going to walk in the countenance of your face verse 17 in hebrew 16 and others in your name they will rejoice all the day long and in your righteousness they will be exalted now notice there's a correlation between rejoicing in the lord and being exalted there's also a correlation between the name of god where it says beshimcha in your name and uv sedatcha in your righteousness that there's a prefix to both of these words be which means in in this context and we see that many times in hebrew poetry it's the prefix that helps us to identify what's parallel with something else and we see that righteousness and the name of god what's named synonymous with character so it tells us not that we didn't know this ahead of time but it reminds us that god's character is righteous then we move on verse verse 18 in the hebrew text 17 and others where it says for you and the splendor for you are the splendor of their power now this is speaking about god gives power in order that we can be utilized by him to manifest the splendor notice what it says for you are the splendor of their power their power should be used to manifest how wonderful how spectacular god is and then he says 
in your will now notice the power is for the purpose to be in god's will now some would say ratzon can be desire and that's true but in this context the simple understanding is this for you are the splendor of their power and in your will our horn will be exalted now that word karen for horn is a word of victory and what it's telling us is this when we worship god when we are about using the power that god has equipped us with in order that his splendor might be seen then god is going to bring us into his will and we are going to find that our victory is going to be exalted meaning we're going to experience victory in an exalted way we're going to know the heights of god's victory his salvation and it's a kingdom salvation that's ultimately what he's speaking about well let's do one more verse and then we'll conclude the first half of our study of psalm 89 where he says and once more we're talking about worship and there are numerous i want to say that again there are numerous blessings we could say benefits from worshiping god remember that there are numerous benefits from worshiping god notice what it says here for of the lord meaning with him is our shield now that is a word of protection and defense for of the lord is our shield meaning if we want that protection it's found through him and furthermore and to the holy one of israel he's our king now this is a very important principle that's being shared here because our king ultimately is messiah the divine son of god the only son of god and what we're told here in this passage is the holy one of israel what do we know our king and that's king yeshua king messiah and what do we know our shield now what's interesting is this many times in speaking to people we'll talk about and they'll mention david's star now we all know what the star of david is but it's not called a david star in hebrew what is it called magen david magen is a shield and ultimately magen david that shield of david is messiah who is our king and therefore all of this belongs to god and the message for us in hebrew would say halekach avorenu the message the lesson for us is it's only when we are in that new covenant relationship it is only when our king is yeshua and we are committed to that king can we expect him to be our shield meaning that he will protect us and as it says in the end times not a hair on our head will be harmed now we may lose our life we may suffer greatly we may be abundantly persecuted but the promise is even in the midst of this it is not going to be 
any different from a hair on her head being lost. Hair falls out all the time. No problem. What God is saying is that if when he is our shield, we do not need to fear because our shield is the king, the holy one of Israel. Well, I'll conclude this first half at this time, and next week we'll carry on in the second half of this psalm of praise and adoration and of the worship of God, Psalm 89. Until then, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>